Welcome to the CaperCast, a podcast where we discuss all kinds of cinematic heists and capers. It is episode number 22. It's our first episode of May, and we've got a really fun show for you. Uh, I am Stephanie, and I'm joined by my partner in crime. I'm Whitney. Yay! We are discussing the classic Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. I am extremely excited about this. We talked about this a little bit last time, but especially since we've watched Top Copy now uh, and saw so many things that clearly this film pulls from. And I've just been so stoked to watch this under like a new lens. And Yeah, um, I think I, I was really happy with our choice. I think we watched a lot of like goofy cult ones lately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like Point Break didn't really feel super heisty, but it's culty. We s- still enjoyed it for the most part. And then we watched like the super comedy ones and Hudson Hawk. And and I th- I feel like I was really glad to just like get back to it. Right. A little yeah. bit with this one. I agree. And like, I feel like we always have some version of this conversation at this point where it's like, is it a heist? Is it a caper? And I mean, it isn't like a traditional heist movie. It's a spy movie, obviously. Like nobody really kind of thinks of Mission Impossible as like a heist film per se, I think. But there's it so much. really elements. heisty. Yes. Like all of the elements in this film cross over. Like in this specific case, like spy movie and heist movie are really one and the same because like mm-hmm. that they have to get things they have to you know do all kinds of like espionage but it's like related to there's team building there's planning there's gadgets there's alarms there's sneaking there's air vents we this is definitely a heist movie is, yes and like even though it's not again air quotes, technically a heist movie. This has like so many more elements than some of the other actual heist movies that we've watched since we've started this project. I mean, he's stealing something from a very uh, locked down facility. I'd say it's a heist movie for sure. I'm not disagreed. I'm just saying, (laughs) I don't think it's necessarily billed as a heist movie. Like if you were to be like, Name your top 10 heist movies. Like, I don't feel like people naturally think of Mission Impossible because it's Impossible. in that sure. spy genre, right? Mm-hmm. But then it totally just checks all of the boxes, which we will get into and discuss. So uh, we are really bad, I feel like, about, like, putting this warning at the front of our episodes. Oh, it's like, sometimes right. we do, sometimes we don't. But just in case you've somehow not seen Mission Impossible, um, we please watch that first. If spoilers matter to you, that is, you know, we are going to be delving into the movie in its entirety. So mm-hmm. uh, if you would like to go into Mission Impossible uh, unspoiled, please don't continue listening because we are absolutely going to spoil it. I mean, you've had several years. It came out in 1996 to watch yeah. this. But I get it. There's lots of stuff out there. And, um, you know, just you've been warned. Here's your Uh, spoiler warning. mm -hmm. Now we will proceed. Do you have a summary for us? I do. Uh, Okay, so this is directed by 
Brian De Palma, written by Bruce Geller, David Coep, and Stephen Zellian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, starring Tom Cruise, John Voight, uh, Jean Reno, Emmanuel Berrault, and uh, Bing Rames. So it's based on the television series. Um, and then Jim Phelps, uh, who was played by John Voight, is sent to Prague for a mission to prevent the theft of classified material. His wife, Claire, is played by Emmanuel Berrault. And his trusted partner, Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise, members of Phelps' team. Unfortunately, something's gone horribly wrong and the mission has failed, leaving Ethan the lone survivor. After he reports the failed mission, Kit Ridge, who's played by Henry Scherzny, the head of the agency, suspects Ethan of being a mole. Uh, and then Ethan goes forward using unorthodox methods um, to basically clear his name and find out what's going on and basically smoke out the mole, smoke out the bad guy mm -hmm. and um, get to the bottom of this, even though he's technically not getting paid to do so. So, you know, well, yeah, not getting paid I mean, by clearing his, his usual, name, the, yes. the payment he <laughs> also hopefully maybe a bonus, but that's, right. that's not what he's in this for, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a weird way to sum up this movie. You know, Mission Impossible is like the title kind of, you know, gives it away. They are a super secret spy group and they go on a mission that tends to be impossible and uh, <laughs> seemingly yeah. impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they do all kinds of stuff. They get a team together. They do all the things in mm -hmm. all the movies. They lay out the plans. They have cool gadgets and um, the series was like wildly popular way back in the day. And uh, it was, I didn't know that there was so many of them. There's mm. seven of like the movies. Yeah. Oh, I love them. I, I feel like this is another one, like the fast and the furious for me. Like I deeply love these movies. Like, I feel like actually they have like kind of a parallel, like, like Fast and the Furious as it gets mm -hmm. on in the franchise is like, but what if we were Mission Impossible, but with cars? Right. Like, what if we took the gadget component from Mission Impossible and that was just gadget cars? Sure. Uh, and I feel like they've just kind of gone on this parallel journey together. And I'm here I for kept it. thinking like we have 007 and we have Mission Impossible and we have Fast and Furious and we have all of these huge franchise. Do we have a female-led thriller action franchise? Can we get Not one? Really. I mean, I, I think Atomic be Blonde the feminist like killjoy. <laughs> yeah. Like I kind of think they let like left seeds to let Atomic Blonde kind of become a franchise in a series. And those are based mm -hmm. on comics too by Anthony, uh, Anthony Johnson. And I'm pretty sure there's more than one book in that series too. So like you could do that. You could continue that. Uh, but yeah, I don't think there's been a lot of ongoing series that feature right? women um they tend to be like one and dones trying to think of like there's got to be at least like one but i can't currently think of any right i was um, digging deep trying to think i mean the closest we came to coming up with was maybe tomb raider but mm -hmm. not, it's not but quite that keeps getting rebooted like it's like yeah yeah and they're just like kind of a letdown you know I admittedly love yeah. 
but like Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider movies, like they're very silly, but I just enjoy a dumb action flick sometimes. Oh, and for like, sure. It lets me turn off my brain. The one that they did with like Alicia Vikander, who I recently just learned is married to Michael Fassbender. I had no idea. Huh. Um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> my brain retains no actual Trivia. <laughs> interesting information. It's just like random facts. Um, but that one was so bad. Like, I know they wanted to kind of like base it off of like the new games and like that new franchise, which had been doing exceptionally well, but it's really bad. <laughs> oh no. Deeply boring. Um, which is not really what you want from an action movie. No, not at all. Ugh. I took a lot of notes during this one. <laughs> you mentioned. I'm very curious to know. Well, you I didn't take any before, during right? Hudson Hawk. Huh? Right. Oh, you've seen yeah, this before, I've seen though. it. Okay, okay, okay. But I think I saw it when I was like 13. Like, I don't think I've seen it any time in recent memory. I did not remember much other than like the big scenes that get spoofed all the time. Um, I did not take notes for the last episode. So I thought like, okay, no, 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 we'll go, we'll go hard for this one. And we also had someone mention on Twitter about Ving Rames's part in the movie. So yeah. So I was paying close attention to Ving Rhames the whole time and taking lots of notes about him for this uh, listener. <laughs> okay, good, good. I um, failed to watch the movie over the weekend because uh, that just went by real quick. So I watched it up until the moment we were recording this. So it's wow. real fresh. In okay, mind. real fresh in your mind. Real fresh. Um, There's but- so much vintage tech in this movie. Yes. Yeah, like there's a lot of stuff that definitely, I don't know, it doesn't necessarily age well because like it's very to the time period. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like there's a lot of other stuff that's like just the story itself still feels timeless itself. Like it's still like a good yes. thriller. So you kind of just like forget those things. But then, yeah, there's like floppy disks and like CD-ROMs and like zip disks. And like, mm-hmm. I was cracking up. This is, I had a great time watching it. I enjoyed it. I, I was along for the ride. This is not to like, you know, say that this movie is bad, but I feel like Whoever worked on this movie has never sent an email in their lives. Oh my God. I know. There's not even like a proper email address. It's like, I, it's so strange to me. I wonder if they did that though. So, you know, like about the like phone number thing in movies where 555 is like not a code that's used anywhere. Right. Right. Like it's like, they always use like something, something 555. And that way people can't call it and it doesn't become like a whole thing. So like part of me is like giving them the benefit of the doubt. Like maybe they did this so that if this website ever got, you know, picked up, it wouldn't become a thing. His email is job at book space of space jobs. And that's it. There's no, (laughs) there's no dot com. There's no anything. But boy, was it like a a memory lane to see him using Netscape Navigator and what the internet used to look like. I know, a time capsule. We are really was. 
blast from the past right in our faces for this movie. I I I was taken aback and with a bunch of memories all at once from that little glimpse into Netscape and him Googling the words or not Googling, I guess it wasn't Googling, but he was looking up the words max.com because he had heard the word max and thought that that would get him there. Right. It's, I mean, that scene is supposed to be really satisfying when he figures it out, but it's also like, Hmm. Okay. The internet didn't work. Doesn't work like this now. Um, but they couldn't have known that in the past. I know. I know. I just, I just very funny to me. Like I will search this one word.com <laughs> and I will get all the clues I need. Totally. That is absolutely how spy spying works. Espionage. Like Honestly, can you imagine if that was like his entire job? Like the the only planning and smarts we see is him just like Googling very badly. Like <laughs> it'd be even better though. They have like that kind of IMF uh, like search database kind of thing too. Mm-hmm. But like, it'd be just like so much better if he's like on Ask Jeeves. Like, it's right? Just, oh my God, that would be great. Even more. I mean, that didn't, it wasn't, you know, enough to make me so mad or pull me out of it. I was just like, this is so funny how this is playing out right now. And it's funny that it was so blatant and obvious in this one and not in the Y2K one, which was also very technology focused. Yeah. Aside from the fact that they constantly say Y2K, you really don't like, obviously some of their tech is a bit dated, but like. You don't see it as much. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's hard. I kind of like feel for filmmakers in a way because technology is advancing so fast now that there's like almost like a zero chance that your tech is going to become a lasting thing that people can be like, oh, I know what that is. Like, right. You know, like in a couple of years, like a lot of the things are going to be like obsolete or like different or whatever. And yeah, I, I really struggle with kind of like, how do you do these like cool, technologically advanced things that'll age well over time you know like x files is bad for that too you know it's just like this giant floppy disk and they're like oh it has like one gigabyte of data and we're supposed to be like that's like you know massive (laughs) yeah I think it's, I don't know. I I mean, as much as I rag on it, it's more like a a walk down memory lane sort of a thing as opposed to, because you're right. How would they know how technology is going to change in the future? And I also, I don't like from a writer standpoint when other writers sort of like ignore the current technology to Mm -hmm. either like, because of it doesn't suit their story or it would like, well, it cell phones exist. So this would never happen kind of a thing. Right. So I, I kind of like when people include technology of the day, because that's what life is really like for. People. Right. 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 Yeah. I agree. And then I don't know, like some of the gadgets in this are fine. Like they're, Oh, I love like, all the gadgets I'm yeah, into yeah, them yeah. completely. It's just like always the stuff that like, is set in the modern times will always wind up dating the film. Mm-hmm. So hard to get around that, but they still really have like some fun things in this entire franchise. I just love yeah. how over the top they go with everything and how that's just really at the forefront of this film, which again, I think brings it back to having a strong case for these being like heist movies as opposed 
to spy movies. They're like a little bit of both. But regardless, even if we weren't, I, I'm having this argument, you're not, but like, there's like the umbrella, you know, like there's like the caper umbrella in which like escape movies, heist movies, spy movies, they all kind of like right. are under that. And this just, this well, is really, I, mean, I really feel like they're going it. after, they're going after an object. They have obstacles. They have to sneak. There's no shooting or guns really like yes I really think it yeah. fits very squarely in the heist genre I loved how this movie opened up with like a big first heist like right off the bat we're like in you know we have the little meeting but then we're like in it we see the gadget guy we see you know Tom Cruise with the mask pull it off for the first right. time, you know that kind of yeah. thing we're like oh all the, like that she sprays him and she's wearing goggles and this guy's got the I'm like I was so into it. And the hacker. I love when a heist movie opens up with like, okay, here's what you came here for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agreed. And I love like establishing the characters like that too. And just really getting in there. Um, it's, it's so fun. And just like the small little details where you're, you're like, what's going on with this woman? And like the small things where like Emilio Estevez, Estevez, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just like, she's been under too long. And like those small <laughs> things that like know that like everyone around them is like in on it. And I just like really appreciate how that opening really comes together to establish this team and mm-hmm. the world that they're in and how, you know, they're not just after the information, they're taking care of each other. They're, you know, just... A team. They're a well-oiled machine at this point. Like everything exactly. is going off. They have their code words. They know what they're supposed to be doing. They're like very good at secretly acknowledging each other and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, signaling mm-hmm. each other and paying attention to who's doing what where. Right. Uh, which made me so disappointed when they all die 20 seconds later. I know. All except I was for, surprised. No. I didn't remember any of that. Yeah, I know. Uh, Originally, this is like getting into, actually, I don't think I used this fun fact, um, but originally the opening cast was going to be the TV characters. So all of the characters from the show and they were going to kill them off. And basically then these would be the replacements. Yeah. Yeah. But they were like not on board for that. They were like, no, I don't think so. This isn't happening. Um. And pretty much all of them were not happy with this uh, new franchise taking off in place of the uh, TV show. So Hmm. um, they just killed off all of these characters instead. Uh, But like, it's wild because like Kristen's, uh, Kristen Scott Thomas is like a big actress, you know, like Emilio Estevez too, like, right. And he's actually not even credited in the film at all. Like he's just what? an uncredited member of like the team. Yeah. It's like a whole thing. I wrote notes here. Like I'm loving him as the gadget guy. This is great. And then two minutes later I wrote, holy bleep. What the gadget guy oh. is just getting impaled now. Just when you start to like them. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. He um, is uncredited in the film. Uh, that's and crazy. apparently that's because Emilio Estevez did a film and Tom Cruise is in it as an uncredited. So they just kind of like did a swapsies. I don't know. I, but Hollywood's weird. It really is. Uh, so yeah, it's an interesting move though. Cause like, I kind of enjoy 
throughout the films where you're just like, oh, this person did it. And they're like immediately dead. And you're just like, no one is safe. Like <laughs> no one is safe. Right? Who's going to survive? Oh, we don't mind. know. Ah, yeah. I mean, Ethan is going to survive. Cause well, yeah, I mean, they did that. And of course, Ethan survives. I'm like, right. Because this movie is not about them. This movie is about Tom Cruise. This is not right. an oceans movie. This is a Tom Cruise movie. Right. So right, right, right. he's the one we're supposed to care about. So of course, everyone else has to go. You know, we first see him in this like old person, like mask kind of thing. He's like dressed up as someone who's trying to get this information. And then he reveals it. And I kind of had forgotten how young Tom Cruise was in this film. And then I was like, oh my God, he's a baby. He's a baby. Yeah. I look very baby faced. Yeah. I had a thing though. Like we see him rip off two masks in the beginning, <laughs> right? The first one. And then the second one. And I thought like, surely these masks are very expensive for this government agency to make for him. And he rips them off with just like yeah. zero regard. They're just destroyed. Yeah. They do explain this like later on in like the franchise, like they show them being made. I don't know if you recall this, but like, like Simon Pegg, when he like, gets into the series, like I'm pretty sure he shows you like how they make them and they have like 3ds printers and all this stuff. But yeah, I, this is like always so silly to me. I want to believe in like this whole bag, but similarly with like Black Widow, there's a scene in that movie where she's pretending to be someone else and like they have different body types. And I'm just like, you know, then it's like pulling off the mask and it's like, it was me all along. And I was like, so your entire body just changed too, because you were wearing this mask, your voice changed. Like I have follow-up questions. So (laughs) I kind of sometimes feel the same way about this movie. Like I want to just be immersed in it sometimes, but then I'm like, okay, but like explain the body stuff, explain. Yeah. Why do your hands look like old man hands now? Exactly. I, I do enjoy them. I do when I watch them separate that and just kind of, I'm along for the ride. But then, you know, we've talked about this too, where it's like, once you're talking about a film in a capacity, like we are for our our podcast, it's like, sometimes you got to address these things. And uh, I just thought his boss was going to come down on him hard. Like it costs us thousands of dollars to make these masks. Can you just take it off normally and not rip it off your face? (laughs) That's not as dramatic, Whitney. I know. You have to see his little eyeball peeking out every Mm. time. Exactly. We have to know it's not really. I was going to say Christopher Walken. That's not who that was. That was John Voight. Um, <laughs> it would have been cool if it was Christopher Walken. Hey, my one thing that I hate about this movie, my one mm-hmm. thing, the fact that John Voight, Jim, is married to. Oh, God. It's like a real Sean Connery, Catherine Zeta Jones thing again. And I'm just like. Yeah. They have no chemistry. Like, it's just, you would have no clue that these two spies are supposed to be husband and wife if they didn't tell us over and over again. (sighs) Uh, The women in this movie do not get the star treatment. We are reminded where we are in history a little bit when we watch this movie, considering... The first person Tom Cruise sees after things break bad from his team is John Voight's wife, 
Mm-hmm. She Claire, comes into yeah, the yeah. apartment and he immediately, oh, Claire, that's right. Rips off her coat, starts feeling her up, is like very yeah. easy, like wears her weapons, throws her on the bed. It's I know. very aggressive Ooh. and not, I, I wasn't know. feeling too hot in that moment for sure. I didn't enjoy that either. I had forgotten. I knew there was like a confrontation between them and like the suspicion makes sense to me, obviously. Sure, like, sure. But the way he handles it is like very icky and it's very, very violent. James Bond, like feely, like it's not quite as bad as some of those early James Bond kind of like right. objectifying kind of things. But there's definitely moments when it's deeply uncomfortable and he's so rough and just like, oh, yeah. And I don't think he, I don't think Tom Cruise has chemistry with her either. And, you know, it comes up later. They say like, oh, she was trying to seduce him the whole time. And I'm like, I'm not sure that he was ever really into it. Yeah. I didn't really feel those vibes either. Like throughout the movie, like she doesn't really put the moves on him all that much until this one specific scene. And like, okay. I guess very much. I like, I'm going to kiss your hand and we're going to fade to black. And are we supposed to make some assumptions here or I guess, because then I was going to say Christopher Walken again, Jim (laughs) uh, has that scene uh, on the train where he's like, Ethan, thou shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And I'm like, I don't think he really was like he, I don't know if anything, she seemed a little thirsty, but like no judgment, you know, get it girl. But like, right. I thought like she was like my old husband is finally dead and here's yeah. Tom Cruise looking right? young and cute. I know. And I, he, I don't know. I didn't get good vibes. There was not a lot of um I wasn't rooting for the romance ever in this in no. this one. No. It's not great. But again, one of those signs of the time thing where like those relationships were very it's just like Hmm. I wonder who's calling the shots here. Is it a bunch of old white people who just want right. to like <laughs> sexualize young, beautiful women and leave their wives for their secretaries and young actresses? Because I'm Ooh. getting vibes here. Ugh. He also says he's like, I had to taste the goods first. Mm, and know. I'm like, wait, are you did you marry her to test her out? Is that what you're revealing to us? This is very like, strange. She has like um the, the actress that plays Claire has has kind of like similar features, I think, in some ways to like Angelina Jolie and like John Boyd mm-hmm. is her father, right? Uh and like your face is like, I know people can't see this. I feel like your <laughs> eyes are like going wild, but uh, I'm, I'm like, like wait, I'm- wait, wait, wait. Oh no. Oh no. This is not good. This is not going anywhere. Good. <laughs> I'm 99% sure that he's her father. Um, I'm like pretty sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is her father. Uh, so, but there was like a real skeevy thing with him. Like, like oh, being into his it. daughter, it was kind of like a Trump Ivanka situation. Like just no, 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 no. Oh, so I'm like, just gonna ignore this plot line. I'm so of this movie sorry. Forever. So like I kind of like see a little bit of like Angelina Jolie in her. Like she's got like more uh-huh. slimmer features and stuff. But then like it just like made me like deeply icked out when I kind of made those connections. Like she's got the same sort of lips and stuff. No, and like I see just, it. Like, there is a similarity there. Oh no. Oh yeah. No. So like um yeah he 
had a thing. Like it was like a real creepy thing. Um, I can't remember the exact like drama about it because it was a long time ago. And again, my brain only retains limited information at any given point. Uh, but yeah, we don't like oh. it. Okay. Well, there is some skeezy stuff in this movie, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really takes up, like, I would say 10 minutes of this movie tops. It's not a very huge through line. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'm like still on. I've got to stop. I'm like, <laughs> we're we're closing the tabs. Um, Whitney. Yes. The gadgets. The gadgets. They're so good. I knew you would be so happy. Like, I just was like, oh, yeah. Like, we're getting all the good stuff. Like, they put the team yes. together. We're meeting everybody. Well, the team dies. And then they put a new team together. We got uh, another team. We got more gadgets. The gadgets. I love it. We've got uh, we've got the gl- many glasses gadgets. Yes, like we've got like uh, the ones that kind of are like cameras, so like everyone can kind of see what's going on. We've got ones that um, have like special lenses, so they can track, you know, uh, infrared or UV stuff. Exactly. Uh, what else do we got? I'm trying to think. Like they, it wasn't the, the quite... glasses are connected to like a video watch in some <laughs> yeah. cases. Yeah. Uh, we, we have, have also exploding the gum. System. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and the delivery system of the messages, like the actual missions, where it's like, oh yes, this is going to explode in five seconds <laughs> on a plane. On a plane. Um. Yeah. Sorry, but the gum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which of course comes back later yes. on um what else what other gadgets are there i mean we have he uses a gadget he has to like call into headquarters at one point and he like jams something into like the receiver of a payphone they're like okay now it's a secure line right. and i took notes on that gadget because it looked so much like he had used this thing a thousand times like he right. didn't fumble with it at all he's like pulled it out of his pocket. He like jammed it in the phone, turned it around just the right way. And it was just like, Oh, this thing looks like it could exist in real life. Like this was right. really good prop acting. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, yeah, this movie, these, the franchises just like keep one upping themselves over time with like the gadgetry. And then, you know, obviously even to a degree, I think the masks and the disguises are a level of like gadgetry too. Cause they have to make these mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, yeah, the, there's just so many heist elements here. The disguises, yes, the like briefly kind of glamorous stuff going on too. We have to infiltrate these fancy events. We have to get Parties, like, right. Yeah. Like real swanky. Uh, and it's just, it's very fun. It was great. Um, and then I guess the, the original heist sort of fails goes, it goes tits up everyone dies so -hmm. tom cruise decides he's going to actually steal the thing that the criminal was trying to steal the first time so he can use it to basically suss out who was trying to get it right and because we find out there was it wasn't actually it was a decoy because right you know it was all a setup 
mm-hmm, to find this mole. And I guess what they're after is like a list that has the agent's names and their code names so that you yeah. can finally figure out who is who if you are a nefarious person. Yeah, but that's like a, I feel like a very spy movie trope. Like that is, yeah, you know, that's like one of, I think the only kind of big thing that separates this from like a heist movie versus a spy movie, you know, like obviously again, this is a heist movie. I'm with you on that. But, you know, typically it's like cash or money or jewels mm-hmm. or whatever. And like in this case, it's a super secret agent spy list, which is like yeah. James Bond, you know, like there's, I think even Fast and the Furious at one point when they start working with a secret <laughs> government agency, which is a thing, uh, like they're getting lists. And like, that's just like such a, the born movies, you know, there's always mm-hmm. a list of agents and they got to stop people from getting those lists of agents. Uh, so, so Tom Cruise decides, I mean, his name is Ethan Hunt, but I'm just going to call him Tom Cruise because he's just Tom Cruise in this movie. Um, he has to go get the list. It is in Langley. It is in a room with uh, multiple, multiple security measures. We have a passcode. We have a biometric scan. We have a vent with lasers. We have a pressure sensitive floor. We have a temperature controlled room that if you are in there, it can sense that your body temperature is making the temperature of the room increase. So somehow we have to cancel that out. And this becomes like the big centerpiece heist of the movie. Mm -hmm. And the one that takes homage from Top Copy. And I wonder, I'm uh, as I was watching this, why the director or the writer or whoever made this choice, like what made them think of Top Copy? Because the setting is so completely different. Mm -hmm. They do similar things, but I don't know why their mind was like, let's go to this like jewelry movie. Yeah. Um. So this is actually part of my like fun facts for later, but happy to share them now along the way. Uh, (laughs) But like, I don't have like a why, but Brian De Palma, one of his kind of signatures is to air quote, borrow from the masters or other movies to create key scenes in his movie. So true to form, the dangling wire scene was borrowed from top copy. But it's funny because like, I have a second point to this because this is actually like, a franchise trademark. It's considered a franchise trademark now. So Ethan is suspended by the cable in this movie during the CIA fall, but then mission impossible two, three, uh, and three, uh, and then, um, mission impossible ghost protocol also features that. And it's considered this like franchise trademark that was like blatantly stolen from another movie. So like that seems (laughs) A bit strange to me, but I'm going to guess right. it's just it like a becomes, big fan of heist movies. and Right. It becomes the Mission Impossible trademark, even though it was not theirs to begin with. Exactly. They're openly talking about how they've like stolen this thing or air quotes borrowed. Uh, and um, yeah, apparently it's now Mission Impossible's thing. So Top Copy did it first, everybody. <laughs> Top Copy, I think might've done it uh, slightly more interestingly mm. as well. Yeah. 
Well, like, or at least my my tension was higher during Top Copy during this scene. I think maybe because there was so much buildup to the guy holding the rope and this is his one job. And oh my gosh, is he going to mess it up? And this guy has, you know, he's an acrobat and this is the only thing he's meant to do. And right, they have to do a lot upside down. And I was on the edge of my seat. But in Mission Impossible, it felt a little less scary to me. Yeah, like the room is like so stark and obviously the stakes are really high here. The whole rest of the plot of the movie revolves around them pulling this off. But in Top Copy, that's like the climax of the film, Mm -hmm. you know, like that is like, if they don't get this, like it's all over. And, you know, he's holding, remember like he has to like place it like perfectly back in. And there was like a lot of tension around, not just like, not dripping sweat or not setting off sensors, but there was like actual things that he was doing that he had to do perfectly. So I think that kind of like creates a different kind of tension, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's very much like he has one shot to get this right and to do these things and to not set off all these sensors where it's like, Ethan's like a balancing act, you know, it's like the temperature and all this stuff, like the stakes don't feel as high when it's like about stuff that he can't really necessarily control, you know, like it's, I think it's a lot more intense because in top copy, it hinges on his ability to do his job. And obviously to a degree here in the two, but in a different capacity, you know, he can't control if he gets like really overheated and he can't control if things get too loud. I mean, they're obviously trying. Oh, right. The loud thing, right. The decibels, uh, But yeah, I I don't know. Like, I think there's something a little more tense about will he like get this like vault thing off or like, cause like, um, what am I, not the vault, but in top copy, in they top have, like, copy the, it's like a big glass case that yeah, they have to lift yeah. up and like that can't break. They have, that has to like, he has to like unlock it. And, yes. Uh, there's a lot of steps, but it did feel I, you could see the nods to top copy there with him, like reaching in his pocket and like, oh, is something going to fall out of his pocket? Right, right, right. And uh, yeah, I mean, they do a good job of replicating the tension, but it's definitely different. And you're right. Like, I think top copy is like the original for a reason. Like it set mm-hmm. the bar for a reason. And I like the nod. I like that we're bringing that into the modern times and kind of yeah. being like, you should go check out where this like originated from. You should go check out this weird movie where this woman just fetishizes emeralds and uh, <laughs> like just go along for that ride. Uh, you really should. If you haven't already watched it, it's a delight. Highly it's a recommend. weird delight. But yeah, I, I think there's just <clears throat> like nonstop action in this movie. It just goes from plot point to plot point, but it doesn't feel overwhelming. You know, like we talked no. about what a kind of like failure that like red notice was in that way, just because there was too much going on. It doesn't know what it wants to be, but mission impossible has its mission right from the get-go. It mm-hmm. sticks to the brief and the action is a byproduct of the story they're telling. It's not forced in, it feels organic and it really works with the story they're telling. Yeah. And I think they stuck with like the beats of a classic heist action movie. They didn't try to like shoehorn in all this other stuff, kind of like Hudson Hawk or whatever. They're like, we know what kind of movie we're making. We're sticking to the beats. So the movie just like flew by. Right. Um, 
while we were talking about this top copy scene, there's this part in the scene where his partner is in the vent holding him up by this cable mm-hmm. and a rat comes out right. and the rat is going to startle him and like p- potentially drop Tom Cruise on the ground. And he doesn't, they recover and they go back to the vent and you see that the rat is now dead I in the vent. That too. How, when did he kill the rat? How did he kill the rat? I need to know what happened. Like, it's like, I, I almost dropped him. I don't. And now the rat is dead next to me. Like he used his Jedi mind tricks. Like I that's guess. the only possible like, explanation. I'm going to guess there's probably a deleted scene in which that's like explained <laughs> and it just yes. didn't make it into the final cut of the movie. It just but, cracked me up. Yeah. Right. Uh, <clears throat> I, I noticed that too. And then just, didn't write it down, but mostly because I didn't write That's anything okay. down aside from the trivia. I just <laughs> watched it. Yes, I just watched it. Yeah, it's there's a few things that I was like, well, but that was definitely one of them. I want to say it has to do with the knife because at that point, too, he's yeah. gotten the knife out. He has like a switchblade, which comes back into effect later, too. Uh, but he has that out and it falls after they get you know, Tom Cruise back up. And I wonder if he somehow stabbed those rats. I don't know. I know. I'm but, like, when did he have time to stab the rat and then keep him from falling? But yeah, sure. Why not? I wonder if this is like a symbolic rat. It was showing us who the rat was <laughs> too, you know? like Oh yes. Because he turns out to be a double crosser. Yeah. Cause he's actually working with Jim this whole time. And I, he just wants to murder Tom Cruise with a helicopter. Okay, listen, that whole chase scene at the end, I was with this movie. I was suspending my disbelief. I was having a good time. I was in it. And then that chase scene happens. And I wrote, if I can show you here, very large letter, dumb. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I did not like the chase scene, Stephanie. I was very I, mad that a helicopter went into a tunnel and had no problems navigating being in a tunnel, chasing a train going 350 true. miles per hour, mm-hmm. having no issues whatsoever. Yeah. And um, it's wild because like, obviously filming a movie <laughs> takes a really long time, but this scene, this one scene, which is a small portion of the movie overall, Yes. Um, took six weeks to film. So they filmed what? it at the 007 stage at Pinewood Studios, and it took them six weeks to make that. Oh, it's all got to be green screen. I'd, uh, wind yeah. machines for weeks. Yes. Yeah. I think what they used, I didn't include this fact, but I feel like I remember reading that they had like a, a wind tunnel, like one of those kind of like parachute kind of things. And they were blowing oh. that out like to like get his face to actually do to, like flop like, around. Wind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Six weeks though. That's like a month and a half to film that one scene of this movie. I would like to pose a question to our listeners. Which, if you have seen Hudson Hawk and you have seen Mission Impossible 1, which chase scene is more unbelievable? A helicopter 
functioning in a tunnel for a very long period of time, underground helicopter train chase, or Bruce Willis on a gurney going down a highway through a toll booth. Absolutely bananas. Um, They were two crazy chases back to back. We had. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Oh, what a classic that is. I somehow keep forgetting about that scene and I don't know why it is ridiculous <laughs> and iconic. I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to put, I, I mean, it, it was a creative chase. That's for sure. Tom Cruise, you know, eventually the helicopter explodes and the explosion blows him to safety. Of course. Yeah. I just wondered how he had arms after that, how one hangs on to a train going that fast. Mm-hmm. True. Um, yeah. And he does like most of his own stunts too, which is wild. And it's just, I'm very curious. I want to watch like all the stunt reels of Tom Cruise doing this. Actually, I, that's a lie. I did watch a couple of those ones and they gave me a lot of anxiety. And I was like, no, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> um, so I think that's why I've erased them from my brain. But I do remember, I think it's four or five when they're climbing like the tower in Dubai. And I remember watching like outtakes of that. I was like, like, nope, we don't like it. Like, nope, we're not watching this anymore. Uh, So yeah, I, I got nothing. Um, Okay. This is like a slight tangent, but like, I feel like, did you ever watch the movie version of the man from uncle? I have not. It's delightful. It has um, Alicia Vikander, again, um, Army Hammer, a little like cannibal mm-hmm. guy yeah. friend. Mm-hmm. Um, Questionable. And um, Henry Cavill. Um, okay. Art. And um, I feel like the movie is actually really, really fun. And Man From Uncle was another classic like spy TV series that did really well, like alongside Mission Impossible and was like very popular. Uh, Mm. And I feel like they really wanted this movie to be like the new Mission Impossible franchise. Like I feel like they started this and were like, oh, we're going to bring the man from uncle into like franchise mode. We're going to bring it into like the modern times. And it just like, didn't take off to the same degree, hmm. uh, but it's also very fun. So I feel like if people like, it is not a heist thing that I recall, um, but also very fun. If you like mission impossible, just, just putting that out there. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. It sounds good. I no no, it's great. I'm glad that we we have things to recommend. Mhm mhm. Um do you want okay, I'll come back to this knock list for a second. I meant to bring this up too. But oh, yeah yeah. Um this is actually like a real thing. So the plot of the movie hinges around the potential release of this knock list, which again um is the agent list, like basically the names and the code names that correspond to all the agents undercover or basically out in the field. Uh, So when a spy is caught, the spy's home country will admit that the person was a spy and get that person back by releasing a spy that they have captured from the uh, same country that captured theirs. A knock agent or a non-official cover is disavowed by his or her own country should he, he or she be captured, which essentially means he or she would be executed as an unauthorized spy. Thus, this huh. list falling to the wrong hands would result in several spies being killed. 
And the concern about blowing such an agent's cover is actually no longer a fantasy concocted for a movie. There um, is a woman named Valerie Plain Wilson, who was a knock agent, and her public outing as a spy wound up like jeopardizing a ton of operations that she was working on. And they made a whole movie about that um, starring Naomi Watts in 2010 called Fair Game. So this is actually like a real thing. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't exist to this same degree. This has definitely yes. been like fictionalized. And I'm sure it's not, you know, in like some weird fault or like, you know, there's a, a bunch of things that I'm sure are not real in this scenario. But the list itself is something that does exist and does actually ruin a lot of lives if it gets out in the world. I have, like, I'm so, I'm going to be as uh, vague as I can here, but <laughs> let's just say a friend of a friend of a friend of mine okay. has a family member that may or may not have worked at Langley. Mm. So throughout this movie, I kept wondering, should I ask this person, mm. you know, what is real and what is not? But this person has always been very uh, vague with me. And Mm -hmm. will never tell me anything and is no fun. So I got no information for us. But it's very interesting to hear that this list is real because in my mind, I thought, oh, there's no way because this Mm -hmm. person I know is very boring and will never tell me anything. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) I mean, again, it's 100% been fictionalized to a degree that makes it more interesting. But there have actually been like real situations where a list a similar list has existed. Jeopardized people. Yeah. So, um, Hmm. so again, kind of talking about this, Tom Cruise had a huge part in making these movies actually like happen. Um, You know, he was like a producer on these and, or sorry, no, sorry. One reason Tom Cruise and the producer who was named Paula Wagner and wanted to make this movie was specifically the gadgets which I was like, Whitney will like this fact. Yeah, I don't and, know. Uh, I love the heist trope, man. I know, I know. That's why we're doing what we do. Uh, <laughs> but he basically, when was presented with the opportunity to work on these movies, uh, he said, I felt like I was 10 years old again. I thought, what would be the coolest thing that you could see? And I kind of like get that vibe throughout this entire franchise where they're just like, yeah. okay, but like if I was 10 what would be like the coolest gadgets that a spy would have, you know, like it's like the Batman thing. It's like, everyone wants the utility belt. They want like the grappling gun and um, they just want to like have all the cool things that you see in the comics and movies and all that. And I, I love coming to it like from the perspective of like, not just like as an adult, what's a cool thing, but like if I was 10, what cool thing would I be like, Heck yes. Like that's so neat. And I don't know, like, I just find that deeply fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of just started talking about facts. I didn't even ask us if we were done. Oh, sorry. Let's, yeah. Let's film. do the facts. It's great. Okay. 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 Uh, so we again have talked about the iconic scene in the vault. So when filming that scene, Tom Cruise drops from the ceiling, hovers inches above the floor, but originally his head kept hitting the floor. He just oh, was like walking around and like smacking his head because he couldn't distribute his weight to the point where he could just hover. So what they had to do 
was put coins in his shoes for balance. What? Yeah. So in that scene where he's hovering and actually managing to like stay in place, it is because he has money in his shoes to like pull him down. So his head didn't wait for Right? I love that. Um, These are like, this is a silly one. And I Mm -hmm. feel like Bob will be the only one who appreciates this one. Bob, we love you. Uh, I'm not saying you're old with this. Although I feel like you're going to take that. (laughs) It was the last motion picture, um, a major studio to be released on home video on Betamax video cassette. So yeah. We actually recently bought a laser disc player. So there are some of these heist movies that I'm like, oh, let's get the laser disc and then we'll watch it on the the CRT TV and with the laser disc and it will be as it is meant to be. Amazing. Amazing. I feel bad now that I've singled out Bob for this. It's just like, he will remember okay. the days of Betamax, you know, like, I feel like Bob, again, I love you so dearly. Uh, I just feel like I'd hear stories about like, I remember selling this and like seeing this in the store, <laughs> um, which I say with all the affection, Um, It was also the first movie to have a release of over 3,000 theaters in the USA. Wow. It had a massive release. It was hugely successful. And people wanted the Dom grooves. They wanted wanted it all. Um, And then talking about a point that you had mentioned, um, despite being praised for over-the-top action, only five gunshots occur throughout the entire movie And none of them are from Tom Cruise, who I don't think actually, no, he does handle a gun at one point when Claire comes into the room, he's points a gun Mm -hmm. at her, but I don't recall him really having a gun any other time than to disarm somebody with, uh, like when he's disarming. Yeah, he very explicitly says like, no body count. We're not doing this. And I'm really glad you gave me that segue. Oh, perfect. Uh, (laughs) Body count. Would you like to make a guess? I'm offering you the choice. Oh. Hmm. Okay. I would, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. We got everyone in the beginning mm-hmm. with the exception of the, the traitors. Mm-hmm. We have to do like some mm. mental math because it's like, you see a bunch of people die, but are they dead? That's, I know. Right. Like who, who actually people, wait, do they come back in further movies or, or you just mean they come back later? No, no, just later in this one. Okay, this okay. One. I didn't know if we were pulling a Fast and Furious no, no, no. here because I yeah. don't know if I've seen True. the other Mission Impossible movies. Body I'm count is say, zero in Fast and the Furious. I'm going to say six. You're so close. Seven. Ah, ah. <laughs> that is like, I think, your closest count yet. Like, that is. I think so. I got real close on that one. I feel good. Yeah. yeah. So, seven is the total body count. Um, but yeah, this is not only is this the only film in the franchise where Ethan Hunt doesn't fire a gun it is the only one to not have any shootouts or gunfights whatsoever. Oh, so they, they let go of that in the further one. So like in order to get more ridiculous, we have to give them a gun now. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't <laughs> feel like I remember Ethan necessarily having like like a ton of shootouts later on. Like, I kind of feel like we rely on his smarts and kind of like outwitting whatever 
they're kind of doing, I'll have to not so begrudgingly rewatch them all to discover. (laughs) Yeah. So that's all the fun facts I have. There's a ton more, but they were just, you know, kind of just generic. And And as you said, uh, we got a tweet from Brian. Yes. Who wanted to, who said that he remembered Ving Rain saying like, uh, he's being hired as the hacker and then saying, I can't hack it. And then not, he, he had the memory of him not doing much after that. So Ving Rames, uh, in the big heist that they pull off the top copy heist, he triggers the fire alarm that lets them all come in as fire, the firemen. He, um, is monitoring the guy who has access to the vault. He has like a tracking chip on him. So Ving Rames is like in a secure location elsewhere, watching this guy and saying like, oh, he's in the bathroom barfing now, or, oh, he's coming back now. Um, He feeds him the password to once he is inside the vault to get into the computer. He does, uh, he builds a bunch of gadgets for them later. Mm, He like builds like a cell phone gadget that will like, kill all the cell phones on the, the high speed oh, right. train yeah, yeah, yeah. and he jams the signal so that the woman who is, has the knock list is unable to transmit it. So he's doing actually quite a bit in this movie. Yeah. So, and he actually is like, to say, whole, yeah, he holds the knock list too. There's a confrontation between the mm-hmm. guy who turns out to be like the rat later on. And, um, he's like the guardian of, um, that list because and he is he is let back in he is no longer disavowed at the end yeah. of the yes yes there's a nice redemption story for him and i really yeah. like that final line there with him there he's just like i don't know how i feel about not being uh a person of you know disrespute or whatever, whatever the <laughs> word is and he's like if it makes you feel better i'll always think of you that way oh, and, yeah. <laughs> like i like that it was a fun time. I enjoyed revisiting this. It has, hasn't even been that long since I've last watched the Mission Impossible movies, but like they're so well crafted. They're so well paced. And mm-hmm. again, there's like a few really silly things in there and stuff like the tech that doesn't always age well. But it's just fun to point out. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, it's valid. It's valid to talk about oh, those things. Also, Man, the 90s cappuccino culture must have been freaking huge because we had we had Hudson Hawk like jonesing for a cappuccino. We open in this movie and they're like, what do you want, Tom Cruise? And he's like, all I want is a cappuccino. I was like, this is what we were talking about back then. This was the hip, cool thing. Right. Yeah. Everybody's jonesing. I guess like Starbucks was really like pushing the cappuccino agenda. Like just. I guess so. Must have been like this new thing that everybody was feeling. Yeah, we should go look that up. We'll just go bring out some cappuccino facts, just like fun facts. Oh, next time, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, also, I have the line here written, hasta lasagna, don't get any Anya, which I thought oh. was very funny. In reference to the gum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't chew it. Don't put it in your mouth. Just, <laughs> it's very good. I had a really fun time revisiting this and um yeah this is great what are we watching next time oh so we've been talking about how like a lot of what we have been reviewing on the podcast has been american movies for the most part uh mm-hmm. and so we wanted to explore something outside of that so we uh are going to be talking about the south korean 
heist film, The Thieves from 2012 next time. And I'm like stoked. It's billed as like a comedy. And um, I'm really excited to see where this goes. So I'm deeply excited. I'm excited to see what kind of stuff from like the American films kind of bleeds over to like the South Korean and what kind of like of their own flavor they're adding to these films too. And I'm, I can't wait. I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. I think. Yeah. So if you've seen the thieves, if you have comments on mission impossible, still, obviously you are more than welcome to talk to us about any of the films we've watched, Mm -hmm. any of the films we will watch. We would love to talk high stuff with you anytime. Uh, So if you want to say hello, you can do so on Twitter or Instagram. We are at CaperCastPod. Again, questions, comments, suggestions, send them to us. You can also email us at podcast at CaperCast.com. Or you could leave us a voice message, which in case, you know, maybe someone has and we just don't know how to check these yet. I don't know. Uh, Send us some voice messages. Sure. Why not? Both of our usernames are linked in all of our social media, but just in case, if you want to say hello to us individually, I am at HelloCookie. Whitney, where can people find you? I am on Twitter at HeyWhitney. I'm also on Instagram, but my handle is a little different. It's at HeyWhitneyWrites. Somebody else beat me to the HeyWhitney. So Mm -hmm. just add writes on there because I am also an author sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And a wonderful artist. Um, uh-huh. but like, again, our usernames are in the descriptions of what you can find us around. So if you are not retaining this, we're easy to find, um, make sure you subscribe to our show review on a platform of choice. And, um, yeah, this has been a blast. So we have mm-hmm. been your hosts and this has been the Capercast. Thank you for letting us steal a bit of your time and for tuning in. And until next time, don't get caught. The Capercast is hosted by Stephanie Cook and Whitney Gardner. Our theme music is by the very talented Emily Milling.